Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. We do have breaking Oilers news. They have just announced a new contract for Ryan McLeod, so that avoids the arbitration that was coming up at the end of the week. It is a two-year contract with an average annual value of $2.1 million for Ryan McLeod. Uh, we will uh, just sub Wayne Wagner from Wayne Sports Cards and Collectibles out for a minute or two, and we'll bring in Bob Stoffer, who hosts uh, who hosts Oilers now from noon to two every day on six thirty. Chet, of course, in September it's moving to five to seven. Stoff, thanks for jumping on, man. So we got the uh, McLeod deal, and it, it's always significant when this happens too, and you don't have to go into that arbitration hearing. Well, not even that. I mean, they had to basically, you know, Bill Scott and company were, were going to be in Toronto uh, tomorrow morning to each present before the actual hearing takes place because you you present and then you, you sort of take it back and then you get into the actual hearing in front of the arbitrator on the Friday. So, uh, yeah, and, and I'm with you. I mean, I think if you can avoid going through it, you go through it. Uh, I would suggest that Joe Resnick and McLeod's camp have been very proactive in their relationship with the Oilers to the point like last year they signed for under his qualifying offer, and that uh, was a slight favor that uh, they did to the Oilers organization. And so, you know, $2.1 million, uh, if you take a look at the uh, the Kershaw and uh, Kershaw and uh, Trent Frederick uh, contracts that were two year deals. I think uh, this number comes in pretty well. I, I think that frankly Ryan uh, Kershaw had played three years in the league. Ryan had played two, but I think Ryan plays a more important role as a third line center. And uh, I think there's a lot to uh, room for him to grow. I mean, it takes him to within two years of free agency. So there's going to be another deal at some point, And we'll know then, you know, is he uh, a full-time middle six forward or is he a, a bottom six forward? I think that'll take uh, – but we should have a, a complete uh, – a pretty good idea of where we're at, Read at that stage, and a couple of years down the road. But he's an important guy for the Oilers. I think uh, we both agree uh, you, you love seeing his speed in the third-line center. I'd like to see, uh, you know, Holloway possibly in the top nine as well. Uh, and it was an important guy for the Oilers to get done. 11 goals in 57 games. Of course, you got to stay healthy. But, I mean, we're looking at a player, if he can play in the 70s, is going to be around 15 goals. And, and I mean, you and I have talked about it for years, about the Oilers haven't had a third line for a long time. And now they certainly got – and, look, he, I know he didn't score in the playoffs. He got five assists. And, and he was part of a line that, in the postseason, uh, was able to create some pressure. And, quite frankly, some of the games against Vegas um, might have been their best line in terms of being able to forecheck and, and disrupt a little bit. Yeah, uh, there's no question. It was five on five. It was probably their most effective line. Uh, and I think part of it is they had the, the conscious out there of Derek Ryan. And then Fogel worked hard and McLeod can get to, he can transport the puck, but uh, they're also, they're also pretty effective in that series. So, uh, you know, I, would he have liked to have scored? Yeah. Were they involved? Did they have some nice goals in the course of the playoffs? They did. And they gave Edmonton some good minutes. And it's part of the reason why the Oilers had a positive goal differential this year during the regular season when McDavid and Drysaddle were not on the ice five on five for the first time, you know, since those guys have been here. And I think it went a long way for Edmonton to have the sort of close to the regular season they did. So, you know what? It's a good day. Uh, I'm going to give you a price point on Bouchard. I think it's going to be a two year deal of Bouchard, maybe just a little under 4 million, maybe 3.9. That gets the two of them done at six. And I think it'll be a two-year deal as well. And that'll leave them room. Uh, I don't have Lane Peterson on my roster. I got him on my AHL uh, 
Bakersfield roster. So that'll leave them with the room to sign one more forward, potentially for 800. And that might be a guy they invite out as a PTO. All right, yeah, good deal here to get McLeod. Did you? Are, are you? I don't know if you know yet. Hoping to get him on uh, your show. We'll tomorrow. get him on tomorrow. He'll okay. be on tomorrow. Perfect. Hey, Bob, thanks for doing this on short thanks notice, man. Say hi to Wayne for me. Yeah, he's right here. Did you got a hockey he's... card question? Uh, yeah, yeah. How much does the Corey Cross uh, 2002 Maple Leafs card go for? <laughs> we'll talk about that off air. I think that's probably more appropriate. All right, have a great show. See you guys. That's Bob Stoffer checking in. Uh, so Ryan McLeod, the deal gets done, and uh, two years average annual value, $2.1 million. So uh, there you go. Like a little bit of relief there for Oilers fans. And as Bob was telling you, now something with Evan Bouchard is next. So, so there you go. So in your shop, Wayne, in this city, Will can you can you move do the Oilers cards have a little more juice to them just because oh. of the passion you know and if in Montreal the Canadians cards are going nuts absolutely yeah oh no question uh, you know and the further they go into a playoff run or the better the year the team has or a player has uh, Oilers cards do not last in our display cases no question right and, yeah. and again the emotional connection so yep. even if somebody doesn't they just want to have and it's like okay so when yamo leaves are people trying to get yamamoto oilers cards just to have one well so <laughs> <laughs> so that works a little bit of the reverse as much as he kind of was a fan favorite here for a little bit he really didn't have a chance to establish himself in the collecting market where there are people collecting his cards absolutely uh but i have just as many people wanting to get rid of those cards now as there are people wanting to buy those cards now that he's no longer a part of the oh, team. oh really yeah so yeah. that's not good for them then. <laughs> no, you know, and in the reverse you know to answer that question in a different you know different way you know a guy like ryan smith there's an example where whether he got traded or left or whatever it was, whether he was in the Islanders or the Kings or wherever it was, there were still a ton of, you know, ton of collectors still looking for his cards. To this day, we still sell a ton of Ryan Smith cards. So there's your difference between a player that established himself as a fan favorite and somebody that everybody loves in the city of Edmonton to somebody that just didn't get a chance to kind of dig their heels in or dig their feet in and get, uh, you know, get some accolades all right so you know hockey uh hockey mad market you touched on mcdavid crosby ovechkin uh what what's the what, what active player in baseball has a, a rookie card that's up there or sought after well, Aaron Judge is oh, one of the yeah, biggest for sure. One, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Ellie De La Cruz is a up-and-comer that everybody's watching right, <laughs> right. now. Uh, so his rookies are going nuts. Uh Otani every single day uh, you know it's v- <laughs> to see what he's doing I think he's what is he at 39 home runs yeah, or 40 incredible. home runs as a pitcher I mean this is just it's it's crazy so guys like that are what people kind of gravitate to in baseball the same way they would gravitate to players in the uh, in the NHL yeah okay Wayne we got to do this again this is so much fun. Absolutely. Uh, remind everybody where you are again. We are in the uh, Westgate Shopping Center right across the street from West Edmonton Mall. All right. Uh, when are you open? We are open uh, Tuesday to Saturday. Geez, you almost caught me questioning that one. <laughs> Tuesday, Tuesday. You're there all the time. How right. do you know when they're open? Tuesday to Saturday from 11 till 5. Awesome. Wayne Wagner, thank you so much for dropping in, and I'll see you at your shop soon. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Reed. All right. Uh, so Ryan McLeod signs uh, your reaction, 780-496-0063, and Steph Labbe coming up inside Sports on Chet.
subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. All right, so the Oilers news tonight. Ryan McLeod gets a two-year contract. It is worth $2.1 million. Uh, Stoff was just on expecting, uh, what did he say? I think a little under four for Evan Bouchard, but we'll see how that plays out as the summer continues. And uh, you can expect to hear from Ryan McLeod tomorrow on Oilers Now with Bob, noon to two here on 6.30. Chet, I just want to talk to uh, Steph Labbe here, former Canadian women's soccer team goaltender, an Edmontonian, helped the team win gold in the 2021 Olympics. Uh, She's now gone into management with the Vancouver Whitecaps. And, of course, rough go for Canada at this year's Women's World Cup had a chance to advance to the single elimination round, the knockout round. They lost 4-0 yesterday to Australia, so we'll break that down and more with Steph. Hey, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me again. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. We always enjoy your perspective, and I think a few things we want to touch on today, and we'll we'll dive right in with uh, a disappointing exit for Canada at the Women's World Cup with a chance to advance and, uh, you know, a pretty decisive, unfortunately, 4 nothing loss, 4-0 loss to Australia, what would have been early Monday morning uh, here in Alberta. Uh, I guess the, the quick question is, or the short question is, what happened in that match? I mean, a pretty lopsided score, obviously. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. It's an emotionally heavy one for sure. Um, you know, I can only imagine what the players are feeling and going through. Um and to answer the question, what happened? I don't know if anyone has a, an answer for that. Um, you know, it's of course from the outside, there's a lot of speculation on a lot of different things. Um, unfortunately, I think a lot of things kind of caught up um, in the moment. And uh, yeah, it just, you know, for me, it just looked like a bit of a disjointed team, a team that um, didn't have much life left in them. Um, and it, it was tough to watch. Like they just, you know, letting in an early goal, of course, like is, is always a big challenge, especially against a team that's playing in front of a massive home crowd. Um, getting an early goal for them was going to be a boost, you know, getting the crowd behind them, having the crowd be loud for the rest of the game. Um, and, and, you know, for a team like Canada, who isn't scoring a lot of goals, um, to go down early in a game where, you know, you need at least a tie, um, it's always going to be an uphill battle from there. Um, but it, it emotionally, like it was tough. It was tough to see. I know the players, like, you know, you, you never go into a game, um, not wanting to give your all or not wanting to leave everything on the field. And it felt like, you know, things just weren't clicking and, and for whatever reason, they, they weren't able to find any type of a momentum within the game. I know you can't know what it was like with this group, but from your experience and you've been through world cups and a lot of major competitions, what does it feel like when you have that finality of being eliminated from a World Cup uh, or, or the Olympics? And obviously, you know, you got you, you, you helped the team win the Olympics a couple of years ago. But when there's so much training and preparation and hype for a big event, what's it, it feel like for the players in the couple of days uh, after it ends? Yeah, it's, it's empty. It's, it's heavy. It's emotional. It's confusing. Um, like you said, you know, you train for so long thinking about this moment. Um, you dream of this moment, you talk about it. Um, you know, every time you're stepping on the field training, you're thinking about, you know, this world cup that's coming up, all the advertisements, all the media, like everything you're talking about, everything you're fighting for, like it's all, you know, revolved around this one moment and for it to all of a sudden, you know, it feels like you just start and all of a sudden it's over. And, 
it's just this this feeling where you know you're you're packing your bags ready to go home and and you see all this excitement these other teams are still in the tournament they're preparing for another game and it's it's just this really weird empty feeling i think that's the best word i can describe it as yeah that's that's a that's a good way to describe it for sure steph labe joining us then at inside sports and of course look the canadian uh, the women's program has been outstanding for a long time um Yet part of the the lead up, and, and I mean, there's been speculation that I'm sure you've seen that, um, you know, dis- distracted, feeling, you know, a split or this feud with its own soccer association uh, didn't help. I, I, I mean, you've been in it and now you're a, a little bit away from it because you're not on the team anymore, but you still know a lot about what's going on. Like, tell me where we're at with this seemingly ongoing battle for for, you know, equal compensation, equal promotion, all that kind of stuff with the men's team. Yeah, I think it's, you know, as, as the women put out the statement earlier that they're, you know, they had come to a kind of an interim agreement um, just for this kind of a short-term thing. So obviously, you know, the battle is still going. Um, I'm not really sure like what the holdup is here. Um, You know, I, I kind of, raise an eyebrow at, you know, the men's statement and the timing of that, that it came out, you know, middle of, of the women's world cup. I can't help but think of, of the timing of that and why they chose to have that moment, um, be about, you know, them and their statement, but you know, it is what it is. Um, I think for me, you know, I have to give the women more credit in the sense of this is a battle that this team has been fighting for years and years and years and years. Um, it's, it's a weight that we've been carrying for many years. So to put this all on that, I think would be a disservice to to the strength of what these women have inside them. Um, they're professional athletes. They, they know what to do when they step on the field. Um, it, it doesn't take away from the fact that they're carrying this burden. And of course, you know, there's probably conversations having to have been had um, at times when they shouldn't have had to have these conversations. Um, but I still don't think that it's, it's fair to put, you know, all of the, the results or whatever on, on that fact. Um, and I think it, it's much more than just that fight. You know, it's, it's for them not having the proper lead up to the world cup, not having enough games in preparation for this world cup, looking at the amount of games that a lot of the other top nations were having leading into the world cup. They played significantly more games than, than the Canadian team played coming in. So for me, it's the preparation for me, it's the time together. It's being able to have the right amount of players in camp to make sure that players have the the time together um, to have the right staff. You know, there's all of the, the equal conditions surrounding their lead up to the game that I think um, we can pose questions. And, and then I think, you know, the, the bigger subject of, for me, it, it's the depth of the team. It's having, you know, enough players that are playing prof- in professional environments that are able to challenge for spots. Um, you know, having players on the roster that haven't played, um, you know, more than 45 minutes of, of professional game time this entire year, because they're either coming back from injury or, you know, they're in clubs where they're not getting game time. Like we, we need to continue to develop a system in Canada here where we have more and more players playing in professional environments that can challenge for those spots. All right. Which, which is a great segue into something else I want to ask you about, because you are the the GM of the Vancouver Whitecaps and there is a, a league that is, uh, well, starting, I guess the play won't start for a couple of years, but tell us about project eight and, maybe you kind of touched on it, but what you hope the impact will be. 
Yeah, so Project Aid is the group that's building a, a women's professional league that's set, set to kick off in 2025. Um, right now, there's three confirmed teams in Vancouver Whitecaps, Calgary Foothills, and AFC Toronto City. Um, and the exciting part is, is as I was saying, you know, this is going to give an opportunity for n plenty more Canadians to be in professional environments for us to start to develop you know, real, true Canadian football players like the rest of the world is doing. They're they're catching up to us. They have, you know, players in academies and in full-time soccer environments from when, you know, they're they're in their early teens. And right now, you know, we're develop, developing players to go away to university and, and hope that they get something out of that, you know, after. Um, but we just don't have enough players in full-time professional environments. And, and that's what this league is going to do. Um, we're going to be able to see many more Canadians come back home playing professional here and what's exciting to me is in four years time when there's a world cup um again for the women you know we're going to have players coming out of our professional league that are going to be pushing for roster spots and most likely making up um a lot of that team so that to me is is really really exciting that we're going to see more canadians um you know building their brand building their name and having that opportunity to play professional football right here and really just continue to grow the game in this country well, you know what, Steph, and, and as, as someone who has covered sports for, for a while now, that's one thing I've heard in soccer and, and other sports. I mean, almost anything except hockey, that the, the best athletes, you know, when they're late teens, early 20s, they got to leave Canada to go play, right? So that's, we're, I think we're still working on that in, in soccer and a lot of sports about keeping the athletes at, at home. Like, remind everybody of where you played uh, professionally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like you said, you know, when we're young, you know, the dream for Canadian soccer players, especially young girls right now is the dream is to go to university or to go, you know, abroad and go play pro in the US or in Europe. Um, and, you know, a lot of those players that are, are heading away or are scrapping for contracts. Um, you know, they're, they're getting contracts with clubs, but maybe not getting valuable club minutes and actually playing games. Um, so it's, it's a battle for Canadians, you know, to not have that opportunity to just be able to dream about playing right here at home. Like, you know, every player around the world, um, has that dream. Uh, Diana Matheson said it yesterday, you know, Canada and Haiti are the only two teams in this entire women's world cup that don't have their own professional league. Like that's staggering that that's where Canada is on that list of all these 32 teams that we're one of two that don't have our own league. Um, that shows the severe lack of, you know, development and investment in our youth. Um, and I think that's a, a big gap that we have to continue to fill and um, have to continue to, to change that um, narrative around Canadian young players and, I'm excited to have those conversations continually and, and continue to show young Canadians that the dream can be right here in Canada. We have some of the top talent in the world and we have an incredible, robust, you know, amount of players that are playing and we just need to give them opportunities to stay in the game for longer. Steph, I, I always enjoy your perspective. Uh, I mean, we've been doing interviews uh, for years. Uh, you know, you were a player, and now you've moved into into management and, and helping the next generation of athletes. And and I, I just love your energy, and I love what you're doing. I'm going to end with a bit of a fun one. I'm going to end with the fluff question. Um, <laughs> how often do you play now, and do you still feel like you're in pretty good shape? <laughs> well, you know, I am playing on a women's team. It's an over 30 women's team. Um, but because there's not a whole lot of over 30 women's teams, we play in a league with all the young bucks. Okay. So I'm against, you know, <laughs> young teenagers and, and college kids. Uh, so we play, I play once a week. I'm playing as a forward now though. So I got to 
you know, get my game fitness up probably. Um, <laughs> I'm not running quite as much as I wish I could be, but uh, it's, I have a great time and I'm, I'm loving it. I found a whole new joy in the game from, you know, being able to play a different position and now I get to score the goal. So I like that. <laughs> right on. Okay. Well, thank you again for your perspective. Uh, we wish you all the best. I know we'll talk down the road, but all the best with the white caps and, and project eight really appreciate it stuff. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Right on. That is Steph Labbe checking in. Always a pleasure to hear from her. Wayne Wagner and Milt Stiegel also on the show. And Stoff jumped on to talk more about the Oilers news. Two-year deal for Ryan McLeod. Average annual value of $2.1 million. Stoff uh, expecting to have Ryan McLeod on his show tomorrow. Oilers now from noon to 2. I'll be back with Inside Sports from 6 to 8. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening. Thank you.